You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week, brought to you by Built Bar. Head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Save 10 bucks off your first order. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined, as always, by Adam Mattis. Adam, I have a new nickname, potentially, for Spencer Dinwiddie. Okay. Spencer GoFundMe. This is a terrible nickname. This is, I thought there was going to be like a witty, something clever. Well, no, I, we can't call him witty or clever based on how <laughs> GoFundMe true. went. That's true. That is true. So <laughs> I like the idea. It was, a, it was a really good, terrible idea. I think it's the kind of thing, it would have gone over better if it wasn't for the whole, you know, global pandemic thing, <laughs> millions of jobs being lost, all that stuff. That would have been yeah. a lot more fun at that point. Uh, today's show, we are not going to talk about Spencer Dinwiddie. We have actual stuff to talk about. We according might talk to about Spencer Dinwiddie. What's that? I said we might talk about Spencer Dinwiddie. He might pop up again. We don't know. He's going to be one of our documentaries. Uh, we have a timeline, a leaked timeline by way of Grant Afseth. A uh, who, alleged timeline. Uh, yeah, an alleged timeline. Uh, we will get into the specifics of that in segment one. In segment two, we kind of have two ends of the spectrum, opposite ends of the spectrum. The uh, quotes from Jared Dudley about the bubble that isn't really a bubble. And then uh, Joe Ingles saying that if the MDA resumes and he has to risk putting or, or, or would potentially put his family at risk, he would be perfectly fine walking away. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And then finally, in the third segment, we are going to, given the success of the uh, Michael Jordan commercial that aired over the last five weeks, uh, we are going to outline the three documentaries we wish each of us, you know, Adam has three, I have three, three documentaries each that we all wish that could be made. Uh, but in the way that Michael's was made uh, about Michael Jordan, produced by Michael Jordan, starting, starring Michael Jordan. Uh, so this one, we're going to have the star and all that be, be the same uh, category there. Let's go, though, first to Grant Asseth. Here's the timeline that, that he reports. Training camp from June 20th to July 10th. Uh, five regular season games, wrapping up the regular season from July 15th to July 23rd. Uh, first round of the playoffs, July 25th to August 7th, second round from August 8th to August 21st, conference finals August 22nd to uh, September 5th, and then the finals are going to run from September 7th to September 20th. The NBA draft will take place on September 25th, and free agency will start on October 1st. A bit of a sprint there, sounds like, but that's the kind of thing you could do uh, if, if the NBA is getting ready to play everything in the same city. There's no travel to worry about, but I think the bigger news is the amount of progress we've we've reached or attained if the NBA is willing to leak this kind of uh, specificity to the timeline that they might be running with. Well, first of all, I don't know that the NBA leaked this. I mean, there's a lot of people that have to be informed and just in a lot of discussions that have to happen. And then we should also say there's just no confirmation on this. I mean, this is a, you know, this is not from everything I saw today, Grant has had a lot of scoops, you know, he's had some things, but at the same time, you know, usually if there's momentum to something you would start to see after it gets leaked within an hour, two hours, you're going to start seeing more and more reports. Confirmations. I do think it's a little premature maybe to run with this as a gospel, but what I would say, Anthony is, you know, this was a busy week. There's, 
two weeks ago we were getting little morsels like every friday there would be like okay little detail here this was discussed or that was discussed or they would like to do a bubble city or they would like to do this it seems like now now there really is some momentum and we've seen some players come out and sort of reference that momentum and so to me the biggest thing i take away is that i think the nba has moved forward with plans to try to resume play and it does sound like it's going to be along something of that timeline like that that timeline of returning in june starting games in july that to me that that sounds increasingly likely I agree uh, with everything there. I, I mean, we're recording this late Thursday night, so it's altogether possible that by the time you guys are listening to this right now, some of this stuff has been, you know, either confirmed or corroborated by, you know, the, the, the kind of reporters that we're used to, uh, you know, reporting this kind of stuff, Shams, yeah, Woj, exactly. et cetera, et cetera. Woj comes out. Yeah. So, you know, if and when we get that, then then we I'm, I'm fine with the skepticism here. Uh, nothing against Grant, obviously, but but you know that's kind of how things things go here. Uh, I do think, though, like I, I think this isn't Major League Baseball where everybody has been so clearly on opposite ends of the spectrum between players and owners, and the leaks that have come out in that regard have been out of spite, right? Yeah. They've been trying to kind of railroad either side of that conversation. In this in this sense, though. The NBA has been mostly working together, and I feel like they're all on the same page. And I didn't see, like, while we didn't get any confirmation, we also didn't get any rebuttal, right? We didn't get we didn't get any kind of, you know, backtracking on the part of the NBA saying no such timeline has been discussed. No specificity here has been. We haven't gotten to that point yet. This was allowed to go on, and maybe we get confirmation tomorrow. I, that's that's how I walked away with this. And you know, I've been on the optimistic side that we would resume this season. Uh, I was uh, this this only made the most they this made me the most optimistic I've been to this point. I mean, it's just been building. Um, you know, I think for for two weeks, it's it's kind of been moving in this direction. But the other thing is, you know, the, the timeline you gave they're going to bring teams back and play the end of regular season. It sounds like up to five, you know, five to mm-hmm. 10 games basically to get to 70. And, and if you're the golden state warriors and you can't get into the playoffs, that seems absurd. So it gets me thinking some of the details I almost expect to come out. If you're going to ask the Cleveland Cavaliers and the golden state warriors and teams that are eliminated from the playoffs already, either literally, or just because like they're so far back, it's almost impossible to catch. If you're going to bring those teams back, don't you think there has to be some kind of other incentive? It makes me wonder. The NBA has talked about a play-in tournament. Mm. I wonder if part of – the only way I can conceive of them getting those teams to buy back into bringing their guys back for five meaningless games or ten minutes, whatever it is, the only way is if they offered them some type of incentive for those games. And that's the thing I'm curious about. Yeah, I'd, I'd, that'd be a lot of fun. I still don't think why like the Warriors. Why would you those teams though? Like, why would you, why, if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, what makes Money. you say, oh, I'm going to risk my health. I'm going to go into this bubble. I'm going to do the sacrifice. Money. I'm going to go back to training camp. Money. There's a lot of money on the line with these RSNs. Like these regional uh, sports network contracts are huge. They're, they're big parts of the each of these teams incomes and if and if you know they don't reach the it's a contractual lot of money for some of these guys it's well, not a lot of money for all of them i mean if you're on a veteran minimum contract and you're you're on a you know a two-way or what whatever it is no not for the players 
specifically though, I'm saying for the teams, you're asking why the teams would take part in this and, and, and the teams would send their players out there because there's a lot of money on but the line Anthony, for the team. We teams. know that there's these players, like they also have their own agency. We're going to talk about um, Joe Ingles later on, but yeah. if you're a player and the money isn't that great of an issue to you, if, if, if you know, your salary is not that big, so missing out on those five games of revenue or whatever, if it's not that big a deal to you, I just think it's hard. And then if you're on top of that, we're talking about revenue. If you're a fan, are you paying to go watch a Warriors versus Cavs game where Steph Curry's not playing and the Cavs guys don't care? I mean, are you paying money for this? Are you happy with that? So that's my only point is we have, it seems like we're getting little rumors leaking out here and there, but if those rumors involve finishing the regular season, which most people predicted would not happen, they just go straight into the playoffs. But if you're going to have those games and you're going to ask those bad non-playoff teams to come back, there has to be something special about bringing them back or else I think it's going to be not a disaster. I just think it doesn't make sense. And you're going to end up with some very awkward, <laughs> you're, you're going to force guys to spend a month in training camp to come back for five meaningless games. I'm just saying it wouldn't at all shock me if all of the teams got to exactly the number of games that it took for them to get the regional sports money, yeah. the, 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 the regional TV money like that. That's, I think, what's at play here. Maybe the play-in tournament is, is a thing. That'd be really cool if it was. I still don't think that's enough incentive for, like, the Warriors to send uh, Steph out there. Why not? Huh? If you can get into the playoffs? Are the Warriors going to do anything in the playoffs? Maybe. Like, is Clay healthy? Why it would I mean, of all the years for you to be an eight seed and try to get into the playoffs, this is the year. Who'd God, that would. Could you imagine the, the Warriors, Warriors get the, the be great. against, against the against the Lakers? <laughs> they the Warriors it. Lakers first round. <laughs> hey man, the uh, Adam Silver. Adam Silver, because we know he listens to the show. Obviously, yeah, he does, he's probably yeah. sitting like subscriber. Oh my God, we could do it. <laughs> um, all right, let's take a quick second here. When we come back, Joe Ingles had some very very forthcoming quotes about how he feels about all this. And then Jared Dudley uh, yesterday had some quotes that definitely caught my eye. Uh, so, and they, and they kind of fall on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Not that Dudley's offering his opinion in the way that Ingalls is, but they, they fall on opposite ends of, of the way that some of these guys feel about this and the actual news itself. So let's take a quick second, pay a couple bills. When we come back, we'll talk about that. So let's start, let's start first with what came first, right? Jared Dudley hopped on a conference call with some reporters out here and uh, said, quote, this is via Dave McMenamin of ESPN, uh, quote, you will, you will be allowed to leave, Dudley said Wednesday on a video conference call with reporters, citing conversations he has been privy to with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and National Basketball Players Association uh, Executive Director Michelle Roberts. Now, just because you want to leave, or now just because you leave, if we're going to give you that leeway, you and if you come back with Corona, you can't play. Uh, then he he went on later. I, I believe he tweeted, or or there was another quote there. It said, you know, uh, every team has a Robin. They just don't happen to have green hair, right? About people who might be leaving and and not be approaching this uh, with the same kind sure. of yeah of course nerve that that everybody else is so you know it it, it was it was uh, it honestly floored me i always thought that if they were going to do this it was going to be one of those you know hyper quarantined bubbles no. albeit in, in walt disney world where you are more than welcome to, to roam around they have restaurants <laughs> there 
Are the restaurants open? I don't know. Are the restaurants? I, I mean, no. I'm saying this. Is what I'm saying is, you you said you just assumed in this, Florida restaurants are, but I'm saying the restaurants at Disney World in your mind were open, and then those workers were they also quarantined, or the people delivering the food every day quarantined? I mean, there is the idea. I wonder of if you had like team sealed, cooks. The idea of a perfectly sealed bubble is was always impossible. Yeah. There's always going to be some level of right. people coming in and coming out. Um, but to your point, Jared Dudley made it sound, and, and, and it's my understanding, is that that wouldn't be the case at all. It would just be like, a, hey, guys, we really need you to not do that. And if yeah. you do catch Please COVID, on, on top of the fact that, look, if you're a player, if you're, if you're the 10th guy on a, on a playoff team, and you end up, everybody in your team knows, oh, this dude's just been going out. He's, in, like, he's not taking any of this seriously, and he's putting us at risk. Then he gets it and gives it to somebody else. You're almost in a certain level. That's a, that's a tough spot for a player, but no player wants that. So mm-hmm. our players going to probably go out. Have they been, have they been out? Have they, you know, not been following all social distancing guidelines or whatever? Probably. But I do think if you want to be, if these players really truly want to be in, there's just going to have to be some level of sacrifice. And I don't think the NBA could legislate and say, Hey, we have guards guarding your <laughs> sign a paper. Cause we have guards. <laughs> this is the thing about the UFC. Everybody involved in the UFC had to sign non-disclosure agreements. Not going to happen in the NBA. You're not going to be able yeah. to get everybody to sign NDAs about the testing and the processes. I think it the, the biggest thing that needs to be pointed out here, even while Dudley's comments really kind of caught me off guard, we still have from now to July 15th when games resume, re- resume plenty of time for, you know, additional protocols just in case somebody, you know, when somebody leaves, do they come back? Do they get tested a certain amount there? Are they quarantined for like a day or so when they come back, you know, to make sure that those tests are actually accurate and that person didn't contract the virus while they were out. Um, If they did contract it, what the protocol is going to be with isolating them and then also potentially testing uh, the teammates that they might've come in contact with or, 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 you know, team personnel, or even, you know, the thing to keep in mind here too, is you're going to have all the production involved with televising all these games, right? So there's a lot of people. Yeah, there's going to be a, a ton of people involved with all of this. And and you're right. Like, there was never going to be a perfect bubble. But it was – and and I, I think it's kind of indicative of the way that the country is kind of approaching all this. They went from it's not going to be a perfect bubble to no bubble. Let's just go. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> We're just going to let it rip. And 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 I think, I think what really made me, you know, take it – what really hit me the hardest in terms of what, what really shocked me the most – was the difference in, and maybe it was my own flawed expectations, but the difference in messaging from bubble to basically no bubble, you are on the honor, uh, what's the honor Honor decree or whatever, honor system, thank you. Uh, To go from bubble to honor system, I think that kind of surprised me, even if it was going to be a flawed bubble, to go from even a flawed bubble to not having one at all really yeah. kind of shocked me. And, and it kind of gets, you know, when you, when you hear Jared, uh, Joe Ingalls comments about this, uh, it, it, I don't, I don't think I'm alone on that front. Uh, he goes, this is from, uh, Yahoo Australia, uh, and Peter Mitchell, um, Ingalls, a key member of the Utah jazz who sit in fourth place in the Western conference said he is prepared to quote, walk away fly to Australia and never play another game in my life and be very content with it to protect his family from the virus. He goes on, it's not worth it. Ingalls uh, discussing practice at the jazz facility told a Utah radio station, 1280 the zone last week. I have a gym. I have everything I can do as for basketball. It's a bit more difficult. 
but I think as we go ahead and find out more information about it, it will be easier to make a decision. But I am in no way willing to risk my children, Renee, and everything else to go play basketball. Uh, what, these comments what, to me, first of all, I want to I yeah. say, these comments to me are not incendiary. Him saying, no. I'm not willing to do anything, you know, to risk my family's health or whatever. Of course, who would? I mean, that's a, I too am not willing to risk my family's health. The question is, and, and this is why I'm a little bit suspic suspicious of the headline and, and would, you know, I, I imagine there's more context here because it, it is a, a thing of like, you know, nobody wants to put themselves in harm's way. The question is, is what the NBA is proposing going to do that? Is it going mm. to put them in harm's way? And I think that's the question. We don't know the answer. I don't think the NBA knows the answer to that. I think they're still trying to figure out, can we do this? Does this make sense? Let's, let's put plans in place and then evaluate before we pull the trigger on all of this. So, um, so I think with Joe Eagle's comments, he can't be alone in thinking this and being maybe skeptical of the, the leaked plans or whatever discussions he's been privy to or whatever. But at the same time, I don't see that as Joe Ingles shutting the door and saying, I'm not doing it. I see yeah. it as him saying, I got to see the plan. And if the plan doesn't agree with me, then I'm out. If the NBA is as progressive as they, as it says it is, as it claims to be and, and loves to pat itself to be, Ingles would, would have to be perfectly within his own right to, to, to look at the plans and say, I'm sorry, guys, it isn't for me. I mean, you know? of course, of course, there might and, be. Well, says the though. I mean, the, yeah. maybe has says, okay, if you don't participate, this has to happen or that has to happen or whatever. But at the same time, you're trying to get 400 players and a bunch of other, you know, organizations and everybody else, coaching staffs and everything else, to agree on something. Inevitably, there's going to be people that don't. Yeah, I think one of the things to really keep in mind as we kind of progress through finding out what the NBA has in mind where players are in regards to this. I do think in terms of just players, Ingles is more the outlier than the norm. True. You know, I think, I think more players are, are, are for the most part, more gung ho on, on, on just getting back and, and how just making a living, <laughs> you know, like earning their money. Uh, so I, I think there's that involved, but, but the things to kind of keep in mind, at least what I'm going to keep in mind is what kind of testing that they're going to do. The NBA is involved with this uh, antibody test study with the Mayo Clinic, how that works, right? And that's, I think, going to decide what kind of protocols they're going to put in, especially with the players that, that, that show some that they have the antibodies here and, and are, are less at risk. Um, and then also what they do for personnel, whether that's team personnel, uh, production personnel from, from ESPN, whatever, uh, what are they going to do for for those who are more in the at the at risk uh, portion of society, right? Uh, older people, people with breathing issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What they do there. So I think we're going to get more of those details. But but as of right now, I thought it was kind of interesting that within 24 hours of each other, you got those two kind of quotes, which neither were particularly incendiary, like you said. But it kind of speaks to the spectrum yeah. of reactions that we've, that we've had to this point. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a really wide spectrum. And it will be. And I think with Adam Silver's call to the players in the Players Association two weeks ago, that to me was the only takeaway. A lot of people took some of their stuff to me. It was Adam Silver was saying, guys, not everyone's going to be happy. In fact, probably nobody's 100% happy. Yeah. And there's going to be some people that are really unhappy. And he was just laying the groundwork for that. And this is just one aspect of that. Some people are not going to like the plan. And I suspect there will be people that don't participate in the plan in one way or another. 
I would imagine there were a lot of people who didn't like that plan and the bubble plan was scrapped. <laughs> they got rid of well, the bubble hey man, <laughs> or I mean, redefined what a bubble is. How about the Utah Jazz? I mean, the, the, this is, they maybe had the roughest go of all this. Obviously, Rudy Gobert, you know, and, and yeah. Donovan Mitchell testing positive is what's kind of started all of this. Um, and then those two having a riff, Boyan Bogdanovich, and now potentially no Joe Ingles. I mean, that's just a really, really, really tough break for that franchise and that, that organization and that fan base. I wonder how much of that has to do with how close to home that hit. Probably right. a lot. And it's, it's kind of I interesting think, that it is yeah. them that, that is kind of having these, these moments. Yeah. Let's take another quick second here. When we come back, we're going to send you off into your weekend as we tend to like to, with a little bit of fun. Uh, Adam and I both came up with three. I'm excited for this documentary series each. Uh, and, and I think he and I came about there or, or went about this in, in slightly different angles so we'll see how this thing goes uh here in a second all right i tried to explain it at the beginning of the show but adam why don't you go ahead and explain the 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 concept here so michael jordan just did the last dance and he was a producer on it he got the final say on what got in, what got out, how the stories mm-hmm. were told. And I think early on, I think as the, to me, in my opinion, as the docu-series went on, the more it became like, okay, this is an autobiography. It's not that it can't be trusted. It's just that mm-hmm. you have to understand that this, this is the story through Michael's eyes. Yeah. Or at least somewhat closely through Michael's eyes. And, Michael's heavy, heavily pickled eyes. Which is fine. But you know what? The thing is... I, I think most people sort of understand that there's still probably, you know, a lot of people that are going to take certain things as gospel that maybe shouldn't have been, but nonetheless, it was an interesting story. And it got us to thinking what other athletes would make a great documentary as an autobiography. In other words, their story through their eyes. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the idea of this one. I'll let you start. I'll let you, I'll yeah, let you get, uh, get underway. Huh? I said, yeah, because mine are good. No, I'm just kidding. So number one, we got the story of the Bulls through Michael Jordan's eyes. How about the story of just basketball through Phil Jackson's eyes? Watching mm. this, I kept wanting more Phil. Me He's, too. In, in, in the same way in that I don't think Phil is the truth. Like I don't, when he speaks, I don't say, oh, that's how it happened or that's what it is. But uh-huh. I do say, man, his perspective is sure interesting. And the story he wants us to know about this sure is interesting. And that's what I would love. And on top of that, not only do you get the Michael Jordan story and the Chicago Bulls story, you also get the Lakers story. You get the Kobe Bryant story, which I think is maybe even more compelling at this point. And then you also get, you know, a bunch of other fun stories. I want to hear about him coaching in Puerto Rico. I want to hear those stories. I want to hear him in the CBA. I want to hear all of this, the playing with the Knicks. I want all of that. I want him crapping on other coaches. You know he's going subtly, to. Subtly, yes. But as backhanded compliments. Yeah. Like Mike D'Antoni, you know, he had his system, you know, yeah, and, exactly. and, and, you know, we're a seeing system that some found of a lot of success in the regular season. <laughs> <laughs> the subtext of which. I also, I also want, uh, I want Phil's kind of thoughts on the inner workings of the Lakers organization. You know, the way like the 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 tippy top, right? Working with Jim Buss, obviously working with Jerry Buss, right? Which would have been, you know, thrilling all in and of itself, but you know, kind of how the how this multi-billion dollar entity still considers itself a mom and pop shop. 
I want Phil's thoughts on that. And, and I, I want the honest, honest to God thoughts on all of that. I'm curious what Phil thinks about that. I haven't seen anywhere where he's spoken on the documentary because like I said, Horace Grant, not happy. Scotty Pippen, not happy. I mean, obviously Isaiah Thomas, there's some other guys that obviously aren't happy, but even guys who I don't think are portrayed necessarily that negatively in this or not happy. Mm-hmm. I wonder what Phil Jackson says, because I do think Phil Jackson, as much as he enjoys Jordan and the myth of Jordan, I do think he also sort of, maybe rolls his eyes out at a little bit of the story. Well, I I found it really interesting, actually, over the course of that documentary that Michael, I think the way Michael looks at uh, responsibility or, or, or being the reason for success, like with players, if any other player gets any praise, that's praise he isn't getting, right? <laughs> Whereas... Whereas like Phil, Phil's a coach. So like there's a, there's a different like sectioned off portion of, of praise uh, that, yeah, that Phil is just always yeah. going to get. And, and, In and I really ways, saw that. The Michael Jordan of coaching. So his story is not lessened by the fact that he actually coached Michael Jordan. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas like if Scottie Pippen gets, gets some of the, yeah. the, you know, praise there, that means that Michael isn't, you know, and, and, and we saw it over the course of the thing. And, and we've actually, like you mentioned that like some guys, Pippen might not be thrilled, but there are a lot of people that were not happy on behalf of Scottie Pippen. Right. There were a lot of people out there who were like, Hey man, this isn't cool. What he's doing to Scottie. They're spending a lot more time on him playing through or, or complaining about migraines and the back. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like there, there's, there were a lot of people who watched that and myself included, frankly, because Scotty was an incredible, incredible player who like, even in the migraine game, I believe played 42 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, I, I don't know. I, I, I would, uh, it was interesting to watch that dynamic between Michael and players, but not really go there with, with Phil. I, yeah. I, I would love, yeah. Phil, Phil would wouldn't be great. Phil would be fascinating. I want that one. Just as great would be Ricky Davis telling the Ricky Davis story. <laughs> told you mine were good. <laughs> I told I told you mine were going to be good. All right, Ricky Davis. Okay, this is what you want to hear. Okay, tell me the the whole. Well, arc. It's got everything. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface all of my choices with this. <laughs> I don't like that we're calling these documentaries. I have a legitimate <laughs> problem with it. So, like, if if I consider the concept of all these, like they said, ESPN's next kind of project is going to be Tom Brady with Tom Brady Productions being a a big part of it. Like, I'm sorry, that's a a freaking farce. It's a commercial. I'm not. So if like if if we're if we're just making all these documentary farces, I'm going to I'm going to have farcical characters tell their stories. Right. So uh, Ricky Davis going out there and explaining to the audience that actually he was better than. Kobe when you think about it you know <laughs> and that time that he got a triple double LeBron and, is just uh, some guy they brought in to help me or what was his line when they drafted <laughs> LeBron I just thought they and, were bringing in some guys to help and how that time that he got a triple double by <laughs> shooting on his own basket to get a rebound that was just commitment five minutes long and I'll watch it if it's like a you know if it can fit on Twitter two minutes and 20 <laughs> seconds and I'll, I'll click on it I, I'm all the way in. Give me, because you know, like the longer he goes, because basically, you know, with Michael, I would imagine initially he was trying to be, polit- you know, the, the politician about, you know, sparsing out the way that people were, were kind of portrayed. And then as it went along, you were like, he, he, he got more and more competitive about certain people and certain other entities that were covered in this thing. I want Ricky to start out like Mr. Politician by, by you know, standards of Ricky Davis. And then I want to see him finish it off with the absolute extremes of his confidence 
and how hilarious that would actually be. <laughs> I'm, I'm over Ricky Davis. Um, so my next one is like the A version of Ricky Davis. Ricky Davis is like the D version of this guy. It's Gilbert Arenas. Now, Gilbert Ooh. Arenas is actually a really fascinating character study, very interesting person. Um, also capable of being honest. Capable of being at least, yeah, honest with his by, perspective. By of his perspective. Not always the right perspective, but at least you know mm -hmm. you're getting a, an interesting one. And I'll tell you what, Gilbert, you know, had some, some issues, of course, and they were high profile, this or that. But he was, people don't remember this. Back in like 2004 and five, he was blogging. People don't remember this. He had his own blog. And this was before yeah. like blog was really part of the lexicon. He was just like, Hey, look at the internet. You know, one way we could use it to like give, tell, share stories from my life on here in real time. He was mm -hmm. ahead of his time. He could have invented Twitter. He, he was, was aggregator zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, Gilbert Arenas, Gilbert Arenas would have been very, very interesting um, person and player. And I would, I would see the Gilbert Arenas doc. I'd watch it. It's probably only a two parter but I would still watch it. An underrated rivalry, not really rivalry, but kind of uh, tension that existed between two, <laughs> two, two organizations was when LeBron was going sure. at like Gilbert's Sean, Wizards. Like that was a Deshaun lot of fun. Stevenson. Yeah, of course. And yeah. Deshaun eventually got his revenge, but those are yeah. some great, there were some great battles, some great series. It was, yeah. Gilbert Arenas was also good. You know, he was a bit of a, um, when you go through some of the numbers, he was one of those guys that I think was a little ahead of his time. He shot a ton yeah. of threes, and some people said too many. He would mm -hmm. shoot them off the bounce. Like, he, he ran a from lot of way deep. He had, yeah, from deep. I mean, he had he had some tendencies that in hindsight were like, hey, you know who would be pretty good? Gilbert Arenas. Yeah. Uh, my next one here is Smush Parker. You know, I actually don't mind this. This one, good job. The, I, I actually had him down for a while, and then I took it off. But I think he would be a really – this is like – the opposite of the MJ doc. This is like the MJ doc from the other side. I mean, obviously yeah. it's Kobe, but um, it'd be fascinating. Like, I think one of my, my one of my favorite all time quotes was Smush Parker saying how he and Kobe combined for 94 points. <laughs> like, it's just so good. And, yeah. and uh, he's another guy that, you know, as we've kind of seen post career might be a little too, like too honest for his own good to where like, he's kind of put his foot in his mouth a couple times and I think that leads to a potentially more interesting subject matter. The other thing, too, is Smush. He's, he's obviously become a punchline because of that era of Lakers basketball. But I'm not going to go so far as to say he was underrated. But the talent was always there. And I want to know, like, kind of what, what was going on, why he thinks – things never really worked out does he think that kobe railroaded him does he does you know does does he think yeah. that he could have handled himself better especially at the back end of his career the miami years whatever uh and then obviously like watching kobe just hoist shot after shot after <laughs> shot after shot after shot how frustrating that must have been for somebody who obviously had a ton of confidence it's, it's, people don't know smush parker was a new york legend i mean like he has a great yeah. backstory and it's, it's one of those things where he climbed the mountain and then fell off the, the top you know i mean that really is kind of his arc and there's a really interesting arc there i'll be honest i think a 30 30 on smush parker i'd watch i'd watch it i, I think so too i think oh. so too who's your next one no it's the best it's the best documentary especially as told by the person um it's about alan iverson okay. oof Alan, Alan Iverson, this could be a 10-part doc. The Alan Iverson from Alan Iverson's perspective, we go beat by beat and we really slow it down. I'll take yeah. it. I, Iverson to me is what all 
former players should be. Oh, because of the like, way he embraces the new players and he props them up. Yeah, like his approach to just loving basketball and loving yeah. the evolution of basketball and just just embracing the sport and embracing the new talent that makes its way into the league that he at one point was such a superstar in. Like somebody that comfort, comfortable in his own skin would just be so enlightening. Like that's that's what the NBA, frankly, is missing in its coverage, right? Yeah. I, somehow, I don't know if Iverson just isn't interested or, or you know, is, it has other things going on in his personal life that doesn't make him available. But put him on TNT. Put him on ESPN. He would immediately be the most interesting person on counter, any counter, of those channels. Counterpoint, I do wonder sometimes, especially with – and I think this is true of Jordan. The fact that we don't see and hear from him too often is part of what makes him still have this yeah, mystique. I mean, sometimes true. you see too much of a person. You're like, okay, I'm sick of hearing about so-and-so talk about this or that. Um, yeah. So I think there's something to that. But, um, you know, I, here's what I would say. And it's actually one of my biggest pet peeves about how the NBA is covered, especially by former players, a la Paul Pierce, a la Kendrick Perkins. And look, these guys are smart. I mean, I don't want – the only thing I don't like is that – Every generation, in my opinion, should take pride in the generation after them being better because that yeah. means you left the league in a place where they were able to stand on your shoulders and go up mm-hmm. a level. And players just don't have, like, very few have that. And I think Iverson does. I think a lot of it is like, you know, when he talked about Steph Curry's handle, you know, nobody gives Steph Curry street cred or this kind of credit. And Allen Iverson, the king of street cred, is out here saying, like, dude, I love watching him play. He's, he, yeah, look at what he's done. He's building, he's taking it to the next level. That's exactly how all players should feel. A channel like Showtime should give Iverson like a weekly, like, Ooh. like, you know, like just get, let him go unfiltered and talk about the NBA for like 15 minutes a week. Yeah. I think it'd be, I think it'd be really, really good. Uh, also, you saw the, the 30 for 30 on him playing football yeah. in high school, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. You can, that's a whole, chapter more people episode. need to know about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. My next one here is, Final Again, one. just for sheer hilarity. Actually, you know what? I'll make Paul Pearson an honorable mention because I can't even like praise Paul Pierce for being bad at stuff. Paul I want Pearson, the Wilt. Oh, I, I want the Wilt documentary. Man, that's a good one. Hey, you had give me. You had one bad one. You had one bad one, but you had some good ones. <laughs> Wilt from Wilt. I mean, obviously this will never happen, but Wilt Chamberlain from Wilt Chamberlain's perspective. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so before before we went on the air we were doing some some digging on uh wilt's endeavors we'll say and per wikipedia some digging uh, i don't know if we were doing no this digging. is from mental floss this is mental floss it was funny i googled i just typed in wilt chamberlain the three things that showed up was wilt chamberlain stats wilt chamberlain death and wilt chamberlain women Mm. <laughs> that's how i want to be remembered i got stats will change you know people want to know what results <laughs> <laughs> uh but here's here's this here's this from mental floss if will chamberlain started at the age of 15 from then up to the age of 55 when his book was published he would have had 40 years to sleep with twenty thousand women or 500 women a year Easy math. That works out to roughly 1.4 women a day. Yeah, according this to friends. Definitely not true. Which is definitely not true. But here's the thing: is I'd still listen to him tell the story as if it were true. According to close friends, Wilt loved threesomes. What what a what a great finisher to a graph, by the way. Man, you went too far. But yes, you're right. You're right. Um, it'd be it'd be interesting, interesting perspective, and not just that, man. 
all of, when we talk about players of that era, there's just so many, you know, the NBA wasn't what it was today. I was, yeah. There's so many stories about the NBA becoming the league that it, that it was. And, um, oh, his story would be absolutely fascinating. I would, I would love for his story and I would want Bill Russell involved in it. Like I, I, I want, cause there's such uh, yeah. yin and yang to me, you know, where, where Wilt Chamberlain was just this like freaking Greek God in terms of physique. He was every, he would be perfectly fine Bill playing Russell in today's NBA athletic as well. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm yeah, saying, right. I, I know, I know, I, yeah. you know, but, but, you know, Russell approached the game in such a different way. And I would love to, you know, that kind of dynamic to show through and at least part of the documentary, but, but yeah, I mean, it was just to 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 learn about the '70s from the most '70s player in the history of the '70s NBA, 60s, in 60s really? '70s. Like, like, give me, give me that, give me that, and 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 let him just just go on and on and on about how incredible he was because I believe most of it. He was just that he was that insane a character. Yeah, is that it? I, yeah, I'm, you have I'm with it. I think that would be great. These are great documentaries. We should uh, let's write these guys and see if we could they'll let us film it. Yeah, uh, we can't quite write Will, but you know the other guys. <laughs> the Ricky Davis one is all you, though. I'm gonna sit that one out. <laughs> I probably it's the kind of thing that will like go viral on Twitter for like all the wrong reasons. <laughs> That's gonna do it though for this episode of the Locked On Lake. Nope, not Locked On Lake. Usually here. Locked Get On Lakers. Here. I mean, if we're being honest, Get the Locked On NBA podcast. And this week's of the uh, episodes of the Locked On NBA podcast. Make sure you guys. Uh, continue to tune in across the network especially now that it appears we are kind of ramping up towards getting the nba back uh make sure you guys check out built bar head over to builtbar.com use promo code uh locked on to save 10 bucks off your first order for now though adam and i will talk to you guys next week